What's up everyone? Welcome to Shifting Frequencies, your guide to the music industry, mindset, and all modern spiritual shit and how to apply it to your life. I'm your host, Haley, and I'm a mindset coach for the music community. I help music industry creatives who feel stuck and burnt out to reignite their passion, connect to their craft, and create from a space of authenticity. Don't you remember when you were a kid and you would just create to create? You were an open channel for creativity to just simply flow through you. You felt so lit up by your creations and you couldn't wait to share it with your parents, teachers, siblings, really anyone who would listen. Do you remember the reason why you want to be in this industry in the first place? I know that you know deep down in your soul the connection you have with your craft. In this podcast, we're going to empower you to reconnect with your soul's purpose to create and provide a safe space to shine your light in this industry. To be the music community leader that you know you are. And how do we do that? We do that by calling our power and confidence home to ourselves. In this podcast, we'll have some solo Haley episodes throughout the show, as well as special guests joining us. We'll be chatting with incredibly impactful souls in the music, entrepreneurial, and spiritual communities to gather an even wider perspective on life, business, and creativity. You're definitely going to want to tap in for this. Stay tuned each week to rediscover the industry leader that you know you fucking are and awaken your inner genius. What's up, everybody? I am so excited for this episode. I am having a little chat with my BFF, Lisa. Um, We met at Warner Records, and she was like, kind of my manager, my supervisor. (laughs) And then she became my roommate, and we are BFFs. Um, We're not roommates anymore, but Lisa, welcome. Thank you so much, Haley. I'm so excited to be on your podcast. And you know that there is no one. I love talking music, spirituality, health with more than you. So I was so, so excited when you asked me to do this. Yay, I'm so, so stoked. Um, Okay, so I'm just going to dive right into it because I just love your story. And I'm so excited for everybody to hear more about you. So tell me about, you know, Tell me about your childhood. What was growing up like? Okay, interesting. So I was born and raised in Scarborough, Maine, which not a lot of people are familiar with Scarborough, but it's right outside of Portland, Maine. Um, very like suburbs. My family is as Greek as it gets. Both my parents are from Lesbos, which is an island in Greece, and then somehow ended up in Maine and um, opened like a pizza store and a Greek restaurant and a sports bar. So like. Growing up, I know I know this kind of sounds crazy now, but like growing up, me and my siblings would just be like running around the restaurant and the sports bar. And like that was, you know, I'd be like five years old speaking with like grown adults who are wasted in the bar. And I would get, you know, a lot of life inspo and info from them at a at a young age, honestly. Um, I love that. And yeah, you know, I again I was born and raised in Maine, but my family is very Greek. So I definitely felt like an outsider in Maine. You know what I mean? There was not a lot of people I could relate with growing up aside from just my siblings and my cousins. Um, So it was always pretty interesting, you know, like I didn't realize it until I kind of moved out of Maine, 
how ostracized I felt in a sense. Um, and how, you know, kind of like my childhood and my first 18 years really of life was me trying to fit into a box, essentially, and wow, like yeah. blend in as much as possible, because I just like did not like attention on me. I didn't like to stand out. I did not like all of that. But it happened naturally. You know what I mean? It was just like a natural thing because we really stuck out like sore thumbs. I'll tell you that. Um, yeah, right. In this town of just like white people your all of your greek beauty is just there and they're like oh my god this is intimidating i'm gonna put you down (laughs) quite literally honestly and it really you know as growing up i wish i felt i wish i like knew that or like could see the bigger picture because i was like well i'm not blonde i'm not super skinny i'm i'm really curvy and even when i was younger i was a bit curvier and i just felt crazy and it's just like you know that also led with me led to me like watching what I ate and trying to really fit into this box. And then when I finally moved out of Maine, did life start? Life started for me and it's been really great ever since. I love to hear that. So how did like, how did life start for you? So you moved out of Maine. What happened then? Yeah. So I knew, I mean, ever since I was like young, like just a little backstory, like my dad and my uncle and my godfather they all perform Greek music. So we would always go to like Greek festivals growing up. And, you know, my dad would be on the stage performing and we'd be like on the stage running around and stuff like that. So I always grew up around music. And when I was like, maybe like 10, 11 or, you know, around there, I was like, okay, I want to work in music. And I didn't necessarily know what that meant, but I had a very clear vision in my head and essentially a feeling in my heart being like, I know I'm going to work in music. And the place that I envisioned, I was like, there's going to be studios around, there's going to be microphones, there's going to be artists, it's going to be so cool. Again, I knew nothing about the music industry. And I didn't even know if a place like that existed. But I was like, so obsessed with this fantasy of finding this place that was going to let me be creative, I was going to mingle and meet artists and work in music and all that. So when I finally turned 18, I was debating on either moving to Miami or LA. And I mean, like if anyone's familiar with where Maine is on the map, it's like as far away from LA as you could possibly get. Um, And so my parents were also a bit strict. So I remember like one day really nervously being like, hey, I'm going to go to college in LA. And I was waiting for them to be like, no, you're not. You're absolutely not. And they really just like didn't say anything. And I was like, oh, is this shit going to work? Is this going to work? And then... um. Later, my mom had told me that, you know, my dad had a conversation with her being like, you can't tell her no, you have to let her go. And if she doesn't like it, she can come back, but you can't make her stay here. That's beautiful. Shout out Pops. Shout out to Pops, for real. Because I was like, wow, I mean, they never said no. And I just, my mom wouldn't even let me sleep over people's houses. Forget about moving across the country when I'm 18. I didn't know anyone and I had never been to LA. I never even visited LA. I just knew this is where I need to be. And so um, I only applied to two colleges, one of them in LA that I knew I could get into Cal State LA. And then I mean, maybe one in Boston, I don't even know if I sent that application in to be honest with you. And so I was really just like, okay, I have to get into this place in LA. And I felt pretty confident that I could. And then when I once I got accepted, like the day I moved to LA was the first day I'd ever been here. And I was like, Oh, let's go. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, it was. And then, yeah, so I went, I went to college and my freshman year of college was like the shit. 
it was like the the other years of college kind of sucked but my freshman year was like the shit it was like the dorms in Cal State LA are like apartment style dorms so there was like eight girls in one apartment but four girls in each hall so we each like there was like four girls to one bathroom we had a kitchen we had all that which was great and then um there was eight boys who lived right up right upstairs from us like per, like literally right upstairs and we're like okay this is gonna be so fun and so you know fast forward we all became best friends with the boys and we just had like such a squad you know what I mean and these people fully accepted me for who I was a lot of people were of color or Hispanic descent and I was Greek and I was like oh finally these people can kind of understand my family values how loud I am you know what I mean I have a lot more in common with them than I'd ever had in any of my other friends essentially and they all came from across the country as well and I think in that moment I was like oh I I felt so I just felt like I wasn't good enough in Maine but when I moved to LA I was like oh I have amazing qualities that the rest of the world can appreciate but just was very undervalued in Maine essentially absolutely yeah and so yeah I kind of you know early on found my tribe of people friends that I'm still, you know, best friends with to this day. And they really taught me about, you know, like breaking outside of that main bubble. And then there's so much more of life to explore so many cultures, so many different ways, like being a curvy girl with long brown hair, you know, is the shit here in LA, but it's not it in Maine. I'll tell you that. I know. (laughs) Well, that makes me so happy that you like found your people and it really just goes to show you that when you step out of your comfort zone, that you can really find yourself and kind of what you're looking for without even knowing it was what you're looking for. You know, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. That's amazing. And even like growing up, I just like, I didn't really date a lot of guys in my high school at all. I just like, there was just some, it just wasn't doing it for me. And then yeah. I, I moved to LA and met different ethnicities and different types of men. And I was like, Oh, it was never an issue with me, which I always blamed on myself. I was like, it was just, I was not exposed to the type of men that I like. I was not yeah. exposed to the type of cultures I like. I was not exposed to all those things. Uh, so that was a really, yeah, great eye-opening experience. How did you get in, like, what was like your intro into the music industry? How did that happen? So I remember one day I was like maybe a sophomore in college. And I was like, the first two years when I moved here, I like, let it be fun time. And then the sophomore year, I was like, okay, let's get serious. This is what you came here for. And so I remember I applied to maybe like 50 different internships, 50 different things randomly online. Half of the things I didn't even know what they were. And one summer, I remember my mom's like, hey, we're going to Greece for the summer. Come with us. And I was like fighting her. I was like, I don't want to go to Greece. I want to stay in LA. I need to work. I need to hustle, whatever. She's like, you're going to have the rest of your life to work just come to Greece with us. And I was like, whatever. We love moms. We love moms. So I ended up going to Greece. And um, I when I landed back a month later in the States, I got a call from, it was Rhino Records from Warner Music Group. And they called me and essentially they told me the first, their first two picks of interns couldn't do it. And I was their third pick. And they wanted to know if I could do this internship with them in the marketing department. And I, I always, I always forget that you interned there because that's how I started too. And then we funny. both were at Warner Records. So weird. Okay, keep going. Yes, so crazy. So weird. Um, so it was in the marketing department. They essentially told me I was their third pick, 
And I was like, okay, whatever. I will humbly take this opportunity. And so that was my first intro. You know, I interned there for maybe like three or four months and it was cool. It was more like catalog music though. And I really wanted to be like on the scene, going out, developing artists, et cetera. So it was a cool experience, but it was, you know, something good to put on my resume, but wasn't what I was looking for. And then a couple of months after I got a call from this place called Dash Radio, I didn't even remember applying. I really think it was like an ad on Facebook or something. And so I was like, whatever, I'll go take this interview. And the second I walk into the building, it's a startup radio company. Let me like preface that. It's like an app that you download and there's like a handful of radio stations, et cetera. And so I walk in the second I walked in, I kid you not, like the vision I had as a child of studios everywhere, celebrities, artists everywhere, microphones, all that, like Dash, the Dash Radio building was that. And I walked in, I was like, wait, this is crazy. And it's a startup. There was, there was nothing like this at the time. And I remember um, this one girl, her name's Jen DeLeon. She interviews a bunch of celebrities and she was like one of my biggest idols. And in walks Jen as I'm going to take my interview. And so I'm like, oh, this is the place I need to be. Um, again, I didn't even like know what I was interviewing for until I got there. And so I had an interview with a guy and it went really great. You know, I told him I moved out here, whatever. And then I think a couple of weeks later, I heard back that they wanted me to intern, but they couldn't pay me, which is like, you know, okay. per huge sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted it so bad. So I was like, no problem. And at the time, they like hired maybe like 13 interns. And then they let us know that at the end of our internship, they're going to hire one or two of us. So I was like, game on, Damn. like game on. And so I was going to classes full time and then going to my internship afterwards. And I remember there's this, um, I got to figure out the song. There's this Jay-Z song. I think it's called History. And I got to tell you uh, that I was, I was so nervous going into Dash every day because I was like, I can't fuck up. I really want this job. I can't fuck up. So I would blast Jay-Z history in my, on my radio as I was driving to um, Dash. And essentially it's him talking about like, listen, you got to step up to the plate. You're going to make history, you know, you know, fight through the nerves. Here we go. Yes. So I interned at Dash and then eventually was offered a full-time position um, while I was still in college. So I was working full-time. I mean, I was going to school full-time and then working full-time. And while I was at Dash, I kid you, I mean, like everyone from T-Boss of TLC had a show there, Dame Dash had a show there, Snoop Dogg had a show there. And then, you know, Hollywood Unlocked would bring in Cardi B, interview Megan Fox, interview Megan Good. So there was like a crazy assortment of artists and celebrities that were walking in through these doors that like, you know, when are you going to see Megan Fox and T-Boss of TLC in the same room, you know? Right, right. And so it was really great. And because it was a startup, my, my boss, who was DJ Ski at the time, um, really gave me a lot of freedom. He's like, listen, I'm going to let you program direct the 90s R&B hip hop station with T-Boz. If anyone gets out of place, you let me know. Like he really let us have a say as to how the company rolled out, which I was really grateful for. So I was working there. I was not getting paid a lot. I'll tell you that. Um, so it was really never a struggle. Do. You would never do. It, that's really how it starts. You never do. Um, at the beginning, yeah. And so I was really struggling. So it was like babysitting on the side as well. After Dash, I mean, I, I had been there for like two or three years. And I was like, you know what? I thought radio was my goal, but I've done radio now. And I think I want to be a tour manager. And so I had become really close from T-Boz of TLC and her, with T-Boz of TLC and her brother. 
And so this opportunity came up where they needed an assistant tour manager for the TLC. I love the nineties tour. And so they invited me on the road. I found out a day before I was leaving for three months. That's so awesome. It was crazy. It was very much up in the air and I wanted it so bad, but they're like, honestly, we won't even let you, we can't let you know if we have the budget for it until tomorrow. And then we're going to leave the day after. Wow. Shit. Um, but so I did that. I went on the road for three months with TLC, which was amazing. A really great experience. Uh, and then after that, I was like, you know what? Tour managing is a lot. I don't want to do tour managing. I had come back from tour and I was like, this is going to be, to find a job is going to be so easy. I have Dash Radio. I got tour under my belt. Shit is going to be good. No, I was applying. I could not find a job for almost a year and a half, honestly. Wow. And, there was, and so I was, I was babysitting to like, you know, make ends meet. And I was taking like freelance, like one-off jobs in the music industry. But I, it took me a year and a half. And my hardest part was I, w- I was so bad and still am not very good at interviewing for job positions. Because I was used to just getting my jobs through referrals. But now I was like, right. I interview them. Yeah. For them. And so I remember this one interview I, I took with Netflix. And two minutes in, the guy cuts me off and goes, uh, yeah, you know what? I just don't think this is going to be a good fit. I didn't even, I mean, two minutes in, like how bad could I have done it? Two minutes in. And so I called my mom, like bawling my eyes out. I was like, I'm never going to find a job. This is crazy. Like if only a place would just hire me so I could show them how hard I work and don't interview me, like I will blow them out of the water. Right. And so at the time I was um, using a, job recruiting company. It's called Swoon. I don't know if they're still out there, but highly recommend. Um, and this girl calls me literally the next day. She goes, Hey, so I know you've been applying or looking for a music industry position, but there's an A&R assistant position at Universal Publishing Group. And they don't even want to interview you. They just want to know if you can start tomorrow. And I was Lisa. like, are you lying? They don't want to <laughs> interview me? She was like, no, they don't. They need someone so bad. They just want to know if you can come in tomorrow. And I'm like, wow. yes, 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 yes. A thousand percent. Yes. And I was like, cause I sucked at interviews, but I can outwork a lot of people, you know, my work ethic is really strong. Yeah. And so I went, I took a temporary position with them for like, it was supposed to be three months, but they extended it to six months and um, they had already hired someone for the position or else they would have offered me the full-time position. But while I was there, I was interviewing and then came across this position at Warner Records, um, working under the head of pop and the head of hip hop and R&B in marketing. And so I took an interview with them who, you know, some of the best bosses I've had to date. Yeah. And they actually let me know that I was not the most qualified for the position at all, but that just when they had met me and we had a, there was another girl who was more qualified than I was. But once they met me in person, we started talking and vibing and having a lot in common and stuff that they just felt like I would have been the better decision. And um, yeah, one of my bosses says I was one of the best hires he's or, or the best hire to date that he's ever hired, I guess. Oh, I know. I was going to say like, sure. You might've not been the most qualified on paper, but like, okay, first of all, what the hell, what was that other person doing that? Like your right. resume is insane. And right. then like you literally like changed the department there like um, you did so much there and like really really helped them that 
I think this just goes to show like, sure, people may not be the most qualified on paper, but it's like, get to know the person first and like meet in person and like make sure that it's a comfortable, safe space for people to be themselves so that they don't feel uncomfortable and overwhelmed with anxiety when having these like such formal interviews, because it's kind of like taking a test. It's like not who you are, you know? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And that's the one thing I will say in the music industry. And it's really hard because I would get advice from other people when it came to interviewing, but there's nothing like the music industry. Yep. To this example, you have all of the qualifications in the world, but you're not a personable person. You're not someone who could take lead when needed. You're not someone who can just step up to the plate, you know, regardless of if you have the experience or not, then it's just not going to work. You know what I mean? And so that's the one thing that I do appreciate about the music industry sometimes is although you're not the most qualified, if you're a good person and have, you know, a good work ethic, I feel like that gets you a lot further. But it was hard because no one could give me that advice. People would give me advice and I'd be psyching myself out, but I'm just like, oh, an interview in the tech world is not the same as an interview in the music industry. And so I kind of was just going into it very blindly and just winging it, honestly. Yeah. Um, But well, that's, That's a big reason why I was like, okay, I want to be a life coach for specifically people in the music industry, because I would go to so many therapists, I would go to life coaches, and they just don't get the industry. It's just not, it's not, and it's just like the health industry is not the same as the tech, or tech is not the same as music. Like, sure, there's, they intertwine, but they're so different, and it's just, you got to be in it to know it. So that makes a lot of sense. Yes, 100%. And that's why I'm so so excited you're doing this because I know that you know the ins and outs of major label life, you know, events, working with artists, et cetera. And that is an experience, I'll tell you. And so I do think, you know, you're in such a good position to help people through this process because I wish I had someone who could be like, listen, the interview process is more like this, X, Y, and Z, instead of psyching myself out and coming, you know, not unprepared, but just coming with a set of tools that just didn't, it just didn't fit for the music industry. Um, Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yes, exactly. I think it's going to be so helpful for people because it is a rodeo out here. It's not even like, it's, it's crazy. It really is. And you've got to just, I think one big thing that I learned from Warner is that I just have to be myself because at Warner I was so uncomfortable like I was and I was so uncomfortable because I was trying to be somebody that I literally wasn't like I was trying to kind of how you're talking about Maine I was trying to fit this mold of like the cool music industry girl and like I'm just sometimes not that Although, you know, maybe you were uncomfortable, like you would speak up and you would share your ideas, which I encourage everyone to do. And I remember multiple times my boss, who was the head of the department, would, you know, talk to me about you being like, look, she just started and she's sharing ideas and she's whatever. And, you know, they say they encourage that. But once you're there, you get the feeling you're like, listen, they don't want you to really speak up. They don't want to share. They don't value your ideas, which a lot of major labels are. But that is one thing that, you know, my boss would tell me. It's like, but she did speak up, you know, she would share her ideas. Uh, and so that definitely stood out. Oh, thank sure. you for that. I appreciate yeah. that validation. Oh, I love them. I like, I honestly like, I love Warner. I miss it. I just wish that um, 
you know, I wish that it didn't have such a major label mindset. I know. That's the one thing. And and at Warner, I feel like Warner was one of the first places I felt like I could be myself in a job. Because okay. I do know that, you know, again, like my boss has said, I wasn't the most qualified, but I think my personality and, and you know, little things like leadership qualities and stuff like that got me the position. And so I was really able to, yeah, I feel like I could be myself and be loud and be, and that was just because of what the position I was in. Again, you know, like both my bosses encouraged me to like take that leadership role and kind of steer the thing. Um, But with that being said, and listen, I was like early 20s. Warner was the shit. We, you know, we were going to absolutely, we were going out every night. I'd get home at like 1 a.m., go to Warner and I'd be working from like 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., go to another event. Same. Yeah, we'd be, you know, we were living life. I, you know, I couldn't do it now in my late 20s, but early early 20s, like, wow, that was more than I'd ever dreamed about. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like working at the office was like, obviously it could have been like grueling at times, but like, just like going into an office in general can be difficult, but it was so fun, like working late, being at Warner Records when nobody was there, like just roaming around, like having that audacity to just do what we wanted. Like, it was fun. And I really cannot shit on the late, like the leadership there, like the right. ones right above us, because like right. our bosses were truly awesome people. Like the they best. are awesome people. Right. And um, I'm like so fucking grateful for that experience. And I, you know, right. like I wish sometimes I'm like, I wish I could go back and just like have accepted myself during that time and just loved myself, you know, but that was the, that was the season that I was going through. And um, I'm just grateful for those relationships and for that experience. A hundred percent. And I still say this, like Warner felt very much like a community. Again, I don't have family out here. I've been so grateful to have amazing friends, but if I was going to an event in downtown LA, I'm like, oh, I'll park my car at Warner. The security guards are going to check yes. it out. When I get there, I'll be safe. A security can walk me to my car. Like we were there so much that it very much felt like, oh, a second home. Let me stop by Warner real quick. We were in and out of that building. We had the freedom to move freely. Like, and you know, regardless of what people say, the coordinators and assistants and stuff like that really spin the wheel for all big companies. You know what I mean? Fuck so yes. like we were doing any and everything. And, and we were running the show to an extent, you know what I mean? Or at least yeah. like turning the wheels to get some things moving. Um, yeah. So yeah, but you know what? It wasn't meant for you to be as confident as you are now during that experience. It all happened at the time that it did. And yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful for it. And I met you. I met yeah, right? my best friends ever at Warner. I will say that. Same. Friends for life ever. Same. Literally yeah. like, every it was just so crazy because like moving from South Carolina to LA people are like who like do you have good friends out there like are people nice and I'm like I literally have the best friends and like I'm still friends with everybody that I was close with then to this day like Warner was now I'm talking about like Warner was like pretty life-changing for me a hundred percent oh absolutely like again I, I could not do it now because you know it does have its cons but at the time when I needed to meet women, like-minded women, independent women, strong-minded women that could, you know, just understand me, that's where I found it. Because everyone who was hired there are hustlers. We're, yeah. you know, like we all just share a similar quality. And so, um, 
Yeah, it was extremely life changing. I met you through it. I met Andy through Warner. Like everyone I in know. my circle right now is really, you know, an extension of someone I've met through Warner, which has been great. Yeah, same. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. So speaking of like hustling, because mm-hmm. Warner was definitely a hustle. How, what do you think about like work-life balance? Like, what does that look like for you? And do you think that, you know, it may not have been attainable at Warner, but what does it look like now for you? Absolutely. Um, so I didn't realize that it wasn't, atta- I didn't realize that I had no work-life balance until COVID. I didn't realize that my whole identity was Warner Records. Because again, I was going in at 9 a.m., leaving realistically maybe like 7, 7.30 getting ready, going to an event for Warner or something like that, coming home and doing it again. And it was so much fun, but I realized, oh, I'm just busy. And that's why I don't realize that I don't have a personal life. Um, So once COVID hit, I was like, okay, I, I can't keep doing this. And I think a lot of us had that same realization of like, oh, this isn't life. And I'm finally able to like, take a breather and realize that I have no work life balance. Um, and so I had, during the pandemic, I left Warner Records and I came to the job I'm at now, which is AWOL, which is an indie label under Sony. And when I tell you it is a 180 with a work-life balance, like I don't know what to do with my extra time. And this is what is the challenge I'm personally going through right now is I have time. I've never had time before in my life what the heck do I do with this extra time? I'm so bored. I've started painting, which has been amazing. I'm going to the gym and I still have time and I'm still doing all my work. You know what I mean? Um, But it's been amazing because there was a time at the end of my job at Warner where I was so stressed and overwhelmed with the work that I was physically getting sick. I was like going to the emergency room and no one knew what it was until my dad was like, you're probably stressed. And I was like, I don't think that's what it is. And then I got my new job at AWOL and I never got sick again. And I was like, wow. Okay. So it definitely was that. And now I have some more time to like take care of myself, to end the day earlier if I need to, to be selective with what events I go to. Um, So it's been, it's been a challenge having time to myself, I will say, but I'm just, I'm trying to work through that. Um, because this is a new, yeah, a, a new thing for me in my life. But I'm extremely grateful for it. And I finally found a company that does respect my personal time. Even if I need a day to work from home, like yesterday, I was like, it's too hot. I just can't do it. My boss was like, no problem. Stay home. And I was like, amazing. Okay, that's it. Like, you don't want to argue me on that. You don't need every excuse in the book. I just have to tell you. And he was like, yeah, no problem. And I'm wow. like, this is crazy. I feel, I feel so respected, you know? Yeah. And that's how we all should feel in our jobs. Like that is just such a beautiful thing. And thank you for sharing like your experience with stress because Mm -hmm. it's like your body knew before your mind even did, you know, your body was like, leave, 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 leave. And then you left, you made that change. Your body was like, thank you. Now I can relax and be okay. A hundred percent. And it was actually, it was like, the fact that people don't talk about it more as to how sick stress can make you, like being worried sick is a real thing. That's not just a statement because I went to the hospital, got CAT scans, got MR, everything. And um, they're like, nope, we don't see anything, but here's some oxycodone for you. And I'm like, I don't need so that. Fucked. 
so fucked up. I was like, I don't need that. I don't want that. I want you to tell me what's going on. And not one doctor, I saw maybe a handful, not one of them was like, hey, are you stressed? Not one of them, not even one of them to ask how, what's going on in my personal life. No Mm -hmm. one asked that except my dad. And I was, you know, arguing with my dad, like, it's not stress. None of the doctors are saying it's stress. My dad's like, yes, it is. Like, yes, it is, you know? And I should have listened to him earlier on because that's what it was. But it's just in Western medicine, like the thought of someone being too stressed. No, that can't be. No, that can't be. The mind? The mind no. affects your body? No. That's crazy. No. But here's some here's some uh, narcotics. Here's some oxys. And then he goes, and if you need more, let me know. I go, I don't even want I don't even want one to begin with. It's so fucked. I it's can't so it fucked. makes me so mad. I can't even I don't even think I can get on that topic today because it's just so that's what's mad. sickening. That's literally what's so sickening. And it's like we know our bodies so much better than these fucking doctors do and ever will. And like, we have all the knowledge within ourselves to figure it out, you know, rather than spending so much money in fucking hospital bills. Exactly. That's wild, honestly. (laughs) So tell me, okay, so tell me more about that intuition that you had about coming to LA and then being dash and being like, Oh my God, this is it. Because literally everything that you were talking about in your career, you manifested it like 100%. everything. A hundred percent. And it's crazy. Cause only like now do I really realize that. But like when I tell you Haley, also like there was, there's no one else, not, not in my family or growing up in Maine, there was no one else who thought the way I did. And I remember having, I've this one best friend, Megan in Maine, and she's the best. She was my girl who I really felt like understood me. We definitely both felt like we didn't belong there, whatever. And so we would talk in my room all the time. And I was like, I'm moving to LA and it's going to be amazing. I know it's going to work out. And I just had this feeling in my heart. And for those people who like have a calling or knew they were born for something, like, I think you can probably relate. And again, I didn't know that that's what it was. And my friend would ask me, she's like, how do you know it's going to work out? And I was like, I just know, like, you don't know. And she was right. like, I have no clue what I want to do. And I'm so nervous that everything I do, I'm going to fail at. And I was like, I was like, that's so crazy. I know that I need to move to LA and I know that it's going to work out. I mean, like moving to LA is, was easier for me than picking a pair of shoes that I want to buy. It was like it. the easiest, the heart, don't get me wrong. It was so many challenges and so hard. But the easiest decision I ever made, just because I truly think this is my purpose, this is what I was meant for. And I'm so glad that I had that clarity at an early age, because every time I talk to my friends, everyone's like, no, I don't feel that. And I'm like, I feel crazy then. Like, what's going on? Something's wrong with me. But I just realized it was, it was a calling. And that's the one thing, you know, we're all working through self-love and confidence and self-respect and stuff like that. But the one thing I really pride in myself is never not going after my dreams or never not listening to like my soul and intuition when it came to like what my purpose is or was. Um, but really it was just a feeling. I have no clues. Just like it. And my friend's like, yeah, what if it doesn't work? I go, Oh, that's not an option though. Like it's going, that's to not work. happening. <laughs> it's not happening. I just was so confident that it was going to work because I wouldn't stop until it did work, I guess. Um, 
But yeah. it was, yeah, it was just a feeling deep in my soul. And I knew that that's where I had to be from a young age. I don't know how or why, but I know that it was my calling and I felt it. That's amazing. Yeah. Would you be open to sharing about the uh, medium that you went to? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I actually had two experiences with kind of like mediums and psychics, and both of them have been pretty spot on. Um, the first one that I had was actually that summer in Greece when I did not want to leave LA. Oh, yeah, yeah. There is this lady who my aunt had visited in a village in Greece. And like, if you're going to go to like a psychic medium, like this is the most legit shit ever. She was tucked away in this little village in Greece. And my aunt had went to her a couple months before and she was like spot on the things for my aunt. And so we go in and you don't pay her. You can leave her a tip if you want, but it's for free. And you cannot say thank you because it's like just your fate. It's not like she's doing anything for you. It's just like, you don't. Wow. Those were her two rules. You don't pay me. You don't think if you want to leave a tip after you can. But her, her motive was not money in this by any means. So I was like, okay, okay, sis. And so she had you know, told my sister things, my cousin, everyone else that was there. And when I was there, she had told me, you know, like, you're going to have a really happy marriage, you're gonna have two kids, etc. And then she was like, you have news waiting for you when you get back home. And I was like, what does that mean? Whatever. And then when I landed in LA, literally the next day, they were like, hey, you're our third pick for this internship. Do you want you want to take it? And I was Amazing. like, wow, okay, girl. And, um, and then more recently, maybe like two years ago, on my birthday, I was like, you know, I've been going through this whole soul searching, finding myself, what is the world, etc. Um, I had gone to this psychic, or this medium, if you will. And she was based in Maine. And um, the first thing she said, I wanted to do this as like a birthday present for myself. And so the first thing she had said to me, she was like, okay, before we even start, um, I, your guardian angels are just yelling at me being like, she's left-handed. She's left-handed. Tell her she's left-handed. And I was like, and she was like, does that even mean anything to you? And I was like, yeah, that's so weird that that's how we're starting this off. Because when I was younger and, and I don't tell anyone this, like no one knows, or, you know, it's not like a conversation piece. When I was younger, I would, my mom would tell me that I would write with my left hand. I draw, I do everything with my left hand, but like ancient Greek, Greek times, it's unlucky to be left-handed. And so my mom, right. my grandma would slap my left hand and they would make me write with my right hand. And she's like, you would do that, you know, up until you're like four or five when we finally like whatever. And so I was like, yeah, I don't tell anyone that. So she, the first thing she said, she's like, tell her she's left-handed. And afterwards I told my mom, I was like, was I really always writing with my left? She's like, all the time. We had to switch you over to your right. Cause you know, my grandma was just oh. vicious. And I was like, that's so funny. Yeah. How would they know that? Um, and then, yeah, she, she told me a bunch of other things. And then we kind of got into past lives, which was very interesting. And I felt like it aligned very well with who I am as a person today. She had mentioned that in one of my past lives, she saw I was like a journalist that was like, kind of like a nomad, I would just kind of travel everywhere. She saw me at the, uh, what are the big heads in English? Like the stone? The, oh. the stone, yeah. Yeah. Stone yeah. Yeah, she saw me there and I was journaling and essentially I would like go to these huge uh, landmarks in the world, you know, wonders of the world. And I would write about them and then I'd like come back and share my stories with people. And I was like, that's funny because I went to school essentially for journalism. I loved writing. I was really big on that through high school. I would do creative classes, stuff like that. I'm like, okay. 
Um, and then she had also, she was like, what does Compton, Com- what is Compton? What does that mean to you? And I was like, Compton, like Compton, California. And she's like, oh, she's like, duh. I didn't even think about that. She's like, I see you as a single mother in Compton, California in one of your past lives. And you, you know, were raising a son on your own. And I was like, that's crazy. And she actually told me that my son in that life is my brother now. Yeah, that's crazy. Because essentially, um, you know, it's you travel with your pack of whoever. And And you guys are so close. Yeah, we're super close. And it makes more sense because me and Dimitri definitely got a little more edge to us. We're definitely, you know, whatever. And so I was like, maybe that's why I had such a calling to come to LA and LA always felt like home without me ever having been here. I never even visited California, but I knew LA was home and I've been here 10 years now, you know? And so in my mind, and I didn't tell her that, but I was like, maybe that's why I had this calling to come to California, Southern California, 30 minutes away from Compton, because it always felt like home to me. So I was like, okay, that's very interesting. Uh, So yeah, it was really validating to kind of hear these things because she didn't, you know, she didn't know much about my personal life at all. And then she did say, she's like, you know, it looks like you work in the entertainment industry of some sort and you're definitely going to bring changes to that industry for the better. And so that was really exciting to hear. And then I even asked about you because we had an interesting experience. in the Yeah. Park. Oh, my God. And she was like, you know, tell your roommate at the time when we were living together that she has, you know, medium abilities. And then she was mentioning, like, you know, make sure she's careful when she goes out and drinks because that's when, you know, your guard is down a little bit and you can attract all these unwanted energies and stuff. But she did talk about you a little bit. She's like, yeah, I definitely sense that your roommate has, you know, these abilities to connect with spirits and things like that. Um, And so it was really it was really eye opening and it was awesome. She told me a little bit about my aura and I think I'm going to I think I'm going to do it again, honestly. It's so validating, like hearing, oh yeah, like from the, from the guides (laughs) that, um, you know, that you have spiritual abilities and we all have it. And, um, I think that through creativity, I mean, if you're creative in any way, I feel like you're just automatically connected to the divine and the divine realm. Um, so it's just so cool to hear. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Cause I think it's such an interesting story and, It's like that deep knowing that you had just to move to LA. So cool. Yeah, it was very crazy. Yes. So, okay. As we wrap this up, tell me about your hobby and painting and what your future like looks like for that. What are your goals with that? So I started painting at the top of this year in January of 2022 because as I mentioned, like I have this newfound work-life balance that I have no clue what the hell to do with. And I was like, I need to do something and I want to be creative. You know what I mean? Um, And so I'm just really big on colors, bright colors, things like that. I like didn't know I could paint or didn't know I could, yeah, essentially just like paint pictures really. But for fun, I was like, let me just try it. And so I started with the idea of um, painting to music. I wanted to like merge my two worlds together. I wanted to pick a song and be inspired by it and then just let the colors take over and I'll paint a piece, um, which I started with that. And then I started getting some like personal requests, which has been really great. And all of this has been through just like promo on Instagram and TikTok essentially. Um, and so, you know, fast forward nine months, 
and I've been doing paintings. I've been selling paintings for people. People have been doing personal requests, like just with the vibes or themes that they like, and then I'll turn it into something, um, which is really exciting. And it's just been so therapeutic. Like if I did not have this, I know I would literally be crazy. But I think one of the challenges I'm facing now is like, where do I want to go with this? I know I want this to be something bigger. I know I want to maybe make print versions of this, of some of these canvases I've painted. I've started making some stickers and things like that. Just overall, just kind of like creating this brand, the Litsa Row brand, if you will. Love um, it. Yeah. And so I'm just kind of trying to figure out what my future looks like. I love my current job. I love everything I'm doing, but I know I want even more freedom and I would like to kind of set my own schedule and not really be answering to someone else essentially. So I think I'm trying to find a way to yeah, bring the painting, which is a side hobby, a little bit more into my everyday and have that start being a, a larger source of income. So TBD, still figuring that out, but definitely hoping to uh, spend more of my time painting. Hell yeah. We fucking yeah. love that. Oh, it makes me so excited but, because your paintings are so beautiful. Like every time I see them, I'm like, bitch, you did that? Like yeah. pop off. Thank you. And the crazy thing is sometimes I'm like crippled with like, not anxiety, but I'm like, I just don't start painting because the thought of it is overwhelming. And I'm like, how am yeah. I going to turn this into this painting this person wants? And then I start and it starts coming out cool. And I'm like, oh, bitch, you were doubting yourself. Why? Why? You know, you can do this. Right. And, and then so, it's just so easy. Like, yeah, and it comes out. It's great. I love that. But thank you. Absolutely. So, where can people find you and connect with you and, you know, yeah. buy your paintings? Oh, hey. Um, it's Litsa Row, pretty much on everything, I think. So, L I T Z A R O. I post them really on Instagram, Instagram stories and stuff. But, like, yeah, you can catch me on Instagram, catch my little TikTok. Hit me up on LinkedIn. Um, but yeah, leads a row across the board. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, this was so great. Thanks so much for hopping on. And one, being my BFF, and two, for sharing your story so vulnerable. Vulnerably. Uh, of course. <laughs> Thank you so much, one, for having me and being such a great friend in my life. Love you so much. And two, Thank thanks you. for doing this because the people like me, little Leets, when she was 20 and interviewing and needed guidance in this crazy fucking industry. Honestly, if not the craziest, even like Lisa <laughs> Ray did this whole speech, not to keep going, but she was like, yeah, you know, movies and TV is crazy, but there's nothing crazier than the fucking music industry. Yeah. And so I'm really so excited that you're doing this because um, I think a lot of people need you in their life. So this is really exciting. Yeah. I love you so much. Love you i know that you want to stay connected so follow me on instagram at authentically Haley. and to really really stay connected go ahead and hit that subscribe button hit that follow button that like button download this podcast see you here next week on shifting frequencies